yeah. <laughs> Hanson didn't have any limitations. <laughs> Is Hanson still around? Uh, they're probably all in their 40s. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> oh, boy bands. Be hilarious, like working at a gas station. I was gonna say, you know, like I could identify anybody from Hanson, even if they were the same age they yeah. were when they were Hanson. I like legit, really liked the Backstreet Boys in the '90s. I probably, if they were standing in front of me, wouldn't know who they were. Oh, I, I was gonna say, what about Timberlake, and he was in the other one. Oh, in sync, but yeah, I mean, only because Timberlake, like, kept going, far exceeded that career. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have no, not had the first clue. I couldn't tell you who any of the other NSYNC guys names even are <laughs> that'd be fun you want to try to do a trivia off we'll get our buzzer up i know there's a lance i don't know if he's in NSYNC or is there a kevin fetterman Fetterline. got there i don't know which one he was in uh -uh. either though <laughs> there was a lance a kevin uh joey fatone because they always <laughs> call him joey fat one because it's fatone. fatone is literally which one got shot one. into space or wanted to get shot into space <laughs> I don't know anything about know. any of them. There was them, and then Eminem, and then they all, except for Justin Timberlake, I guess they died. I think Eminem actually killed. But on the plus side, two trailer park hoes went round the outside. They did. <laughs> 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 round the outside, round the outside. They Welcome did to go. the <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the badass bitch who's back in the gym. She's yeah. just finished her first week back, and she's doing awesome. And her name is Kristen Bloom. <laughs> 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 I don't know why your crowd sounds like it's being massacred. <laughs> oh no! Oh god! Please don't. <laughs> I feel good. Good. I uh, the first week was definitely an ease you into it week. Um, so I'm probably gonna feel like shit. I think by the third week is when it really yeah. like kicks in. Um, but it was a good confidence boost. I was like, I accomplished my first week. I mm -hmm. felt sore after every day. <laughs> like I'm. Yeah. It's doing it. That's my favorite part about the gym. You know, it, it, some days it, it's not that great, but you got it done. You know? <laughs> and I did. I think that's the nice thing about this workout guide. Like, I had, um, like, a guide I was following from my trainer at my old gym, but, like, uh, it felt geared more towards men. Yeah. And uh, I definitely would, like, skip arm day because I hated arm day. <laughs> but this guide, I'm like, oh, I can do these workouts. So I did... The entire body this week. I Hell yeah. Back, my arms, my legs. Sweet. Got it done. I did not. Yeah, well, you hurt yourself, though. <laughs> I dislocated my shoulder yesterday, I believe, while pointing at something. It no, just... you were trying to push yourself up, and it popped out <laughs> while you were trying to, like, literally just trying to push yourself up in the chair. I was like, did you have a rough yeah. day at work or something? <laughs> it, like, came all the way out, but I had enough wine in my system to where I hardly felt it. I just looked down. You were and so like, chill about it. I was like, there's my arm. And just kind of, like, grabbed it and shoved it right back in. <laughs> like, I didn't realize until after you had shoved it back in that it had popped out of place because you were so chill about it. You were like, oh, it's yeah. not attached anymore. And you were, like, wiggling it up and down, and I could see the shoulder, like, moving. I was like, oh! And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt fine last night until the wine wore off this morning, and I was like, oh, shit. Doing better now. Got full range of motion. It only clicks a little bit. That's some icy hot. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to help at you all. but old man. I am an old man. <laughs> what were you trying to do, Brett? I was trying to sit up straight so it correct yeah. my posture. You were literally just trying to push yourself <laughs> up in the chair, and then you go, oh. I was like, what? And you just go, oh. <laughs> it's not in there anymore. <laughs> and we're good. 
<laughs> it's like two weeks in a row. I think our last Saturday episode was the one I face planted the table. You know, that was a week or two ago, oh, and then this one I've dislocated my arm. You're having a rough go of it, aren't you? I'm just falling apart. <laughs> it's just it's all coming down. But at least the race war's over. At least there's no more coronavirus. No more pandemic. No more pandemic. The numbers are actually worse than I know. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. I'm just, I know one day I'm going to say it and then it's going to be true. We had a big ass spike recently, um, which I mean, I guess that's low compared to other places. But uh, yeah, we're in Montana. It, we're pretty much already socially distanced. Yeah, but uh, a couple of times now this past week, it was over 300 for the day. Yeah. So not great. Not great. Not great. But looking good. Because it's over by the time this airs. Mm, okay. It's all over. Well, glad. There's no more political divide in the country. <laughs> glad you could make that happen in one night. <laughs> <laughs> the asks, the masks, the masks are actually made out of air, you know, so you're getting extra oxygen. Woo. There you go. It's awesome. You're solving all the world problems. Call me, Elon. <laughs> you should run for president. You're not, not old enough, but. Not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're old, but you're not old enough to be president. Not old enough. Um, before we get into our main topic for today, um, which Kristen and I are just going to be discussing, I found out, some, up, up, we'll get into it. Um, but before we get into the main topic for today, Kristen wants, instead of doing a two-star Tuesday uh, next week, we're going to watch a film that's apparently doing really well. I've seen a couple of articles, I've read none. Trailer fucked me up. So I haven't I seen the trailer yet, so I'm going in blind. What are we watching? It's uh, called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have his name in front of me or anything, so I don't know his name offhand, but the guy that directed it, I think both wrote and produced Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So It's one I'm, of the ones that's eternally on our we-need-to-see-it yeah, list. I keep telling you we need to watch it. Um, yeah, I'm very excited because the trailer, like... I thought it was going to be a movie more about, like, suicide and depression and stuff, yeah. and to be fair, I have no idea what the movie's about because we haven't watched it yet, but uh, I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, this is like a thriller. <laughs> like, this is not like a... Like a sad drama. Yeah. So, I am <laughs> very excited. It looks very interesting. Well, I'm also very fucking excited about it. We're going to do that eating the first chili of the year. Yeah. So... So yeah, no two-star this week. We're just going to talk about what hopefully turns out to be a cool movie. Yeah, unless it's dog shit, in <laughs> which case we'll just be talking two-star rules. We'll mm-hmm. probably do a similar thing, introduce you know as much of the information as we can. Um, I'd really like, we've discussed a couple of times before, but it's a time issue more than anything else because Kristen and I only have one day off together. Um, and this past month we didn't even have that <laughs> yeah. uh, doing deep dives into big films like I really want to do a deep dive into Joker stuff like this where it's critically acclaimed this mm-hmm. I'm thinking of ending things would be a fun one to kind of put behind a paywall do one or two of them for everybody and then we do could also big... do Eternal Sunshine and we could do Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind it would and... be like a three to five episode series on one film so it would and be... your favorite movie Cloverfield Lane Cloverfield Lane <laughs> no. No, we could do Hereditary, but uh, minus the ending, I didn't like it, <laughs> Well, that's that's the point of doing like the big deep dive, is we would talk about all the great things and then go, but the last ten minutes, uh... kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Just did, let it be about mental I illness. I really like Cloverfield. Did we buy that? Do we own that? I hope not. I feel like I bought it, and that's how we watched it, and then you told me that I wasted my money. <laughs> how much did that cost you? $15? <laughs> fuck you, and fuck your $15. Take that back to the store. <laughs> it's like that guy deserved to just be the husband on that one TV show. He didn't need to do that to his career, creating Aww. that dog shit film. 
That's it's cool a, to see. It's a good movie until the last ten minutes, That's and cool then it ruins see. it. Actors like transition into other yeah. things though, because that was a very dramatic role for him. Yeah, we talked a lot on the last uh, Saturday episode about um, Jim Carrey and Will Ferrell doing more serious things as well. Like Eternal Sunshine. Like Eternal Sunshine. <laughs> Spot the smile. But yeah, I'm excited. I hope it turns out good. I'm going to be so sad if it sucks because the trailer <laughs> was so cool. Well, either way, there's Chili and Famous Dave's Corn Muffins. I forgot <laughs> what they're called. Cornbread. <laughs> I'm from the corn South. Muffins. I'm from the South. I'm going to hang myself. I forgot. <laughs> cornbread. I've been up here too long. The only word you forgot was bread, so that's kind of sad. Corn stuff. <laughs> Muffins. <laughs> I'm excited, though. I am pretty pumped about it. So that's what you guys can expect on Tuesday. So if you'd like, um, you can go ahead if you haven't already and watch that so you can kind of keep up with the conversation. Um, either that or I'm going to get too drunk. I'm not going to be able to follow the storyline and Kristen's is going to tell you about it. So uh, that happens sometimes too. <laughs> but what I wanted to talk about today, I, I don't really know. I, before we do these episodes, I do a lot of, I've got like six or seven websites that I go and I read backdated articles. I read recent articles. I, I try to find something interesting that I can kind of bring to the table. Um, and I found an article today by Meg Shields on Film School Rejects called What is Dogma 95 Anyway? <coughs> Sorry. Good place to cough. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tried to breathe. That was a problem, apparently. Hey, I can't <coughs> I sit up your... without throwing out my shoulder and you can't breathe without hacking I up a wall. I need your air mask, apparently. Exactly. Not, not, not a bad idea. I think it's called a respirator. But... <laughs> But is, uh, what is Dogma 95 anyway was the title. And I was like, that's interesting. What is Dogma 95? I've never even heard of this fucking thing. Well, it turns, yeah, turns out it was a uh, Danish, so that all, all this information is coming from that article from the Film School Rejects. Um, but apparently in 1995, these two Danish filmmakers, uh, Lars von Trier and Thomas Vintenberg, uh, formed this group called Dogma 95. It followed a restrictive list of, I believe, 10, yep, 10 rules uh, that you would follow to create like a classic dogma movie. And uh, we're going to kind of go through all 10 of these rules one at a time and discuss them because there are parts that I agree with, parts that I find interesting, parts that I disagree with. Overall, the list is very limiting. I like that it's also now, also known as the vows to Vow, man, I cannot talk. Vows of chastity. Yeah, and it was designed to be restrictive in nature. It was an attempt to purify filmmaking and liberate filmmakers based on this. Uh, one complaint that I read about this list is that it turns films, uh, it makes them look like cheap pornogra pornographic films. Huh. Yeah, it's one of the guys that I read whose name I didn't write down said that it made editing grainy um, very cheap looking film. I haven't read this list all the way through yet. I only read the first few, so I honestly have no idea. <laughs> Sorry, I keep joking today. <clears throat> Somebody's out there grilling. I can smell smoke. Those bastards. Um, I have no idea what we're going to talk about today. So this will be fun for me as we go. <laughs> well, I'm not a filmmaker, so it'll be fun for me as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing Which your Which kind of makes it a little more interesting. You're educating me on film stuff. Yeah. So the first rule that we've got here is shooting must be done on location. Props can, and sets. I can get with the shooting on location. Props and sets must not be brought in. If a particular prop is necessary for the story, a location must be chosen where this prop is to be found. See, that I disagree with. Okay. Um, 
I like the idea of shooting on location. As opposed to like a green screen or a studio? Yeah, or on a studio set or whatever, because I will say I've been, um, I've worked on TV shows and movies mm-hmm. and stuff where there were film sets that we were filming stuff in, and I've worked on stuff where the entire room we were in was green screen, and um, I do think it takes away some of the like initial upfront creative imagination of it. Like I know mm-hmm. you can do a whole lot of stuff with CGI and you can create things that we could never create in real life with CGI. So I'm not saying that CGI is bad by any means, but I think I fight it so hard. Well, I think it we... needs to be perfect if it's going to be there. Cause it, it pulls me out if it yeah. doesn't look right. I think when you have movies like the Avengers, for instance, where a large chunk of the movie is basically all just in a green screen studio. Mm-hmm. Like They're just talking to a tennis ball. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it, it takes away a lot of the original art of the movie, I think, where like back in the day when they were building miniature sets because mm-hmm. green screen wasn't, you know, advanced enough to do a lot of the stuff. Like there was like a care and time that went into it. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of filming on location. I think... The fact that you can't bring anything extra in is a bit absurd, though. Well, I don't, and I, you know, I've just learned about this today, so I'm by far not an expert in this. I don't think it's that it has to be at location when you arrive, but it would have to fit the location. Another like, thing you can't. Sense. It says props and sets must not be brought in, so you literally can't bring anything in. So like the dolls. So you have to find the perfect room that has all the things that you need. Well, like the dolls, for instance, we couldn't have brought any of the dolls in. <laughs> and like, do your children have toys where you can smash? Exactly. Well, that's no. basically what we did, but we did it via Goodwill. Yeah, so I think that's kind of silly because there was technically a toy box. We just changed the toys that would go inside mm-hmm. the toy box. But you can bring stuff into a set that feels natural to the set and not over the top. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that you literally couldn't bring anything in just seems incredibly limiting. Yeah. Like, that feels like guerrilla filmmaking more than anything to me. Like, oh, we're going to run and do this scene real quick and then we're going to get out because yeah, we're not allowed to be here and the cops are going to arrest <laughs> us. You know, that feels, like I said, much more like guerrilla filmmaking, which would then, I agree, make the movie seem... Um, Cheap raw like Mm -hmm. way too raw yeah but like from some of the clips that i saw and i've never seen any of these movies again these are danish filmmakers were americans i've there's not a huge market for danish film in montana so (laughs) it's not my fault um but like a lot of them seem to be very character driven and i think a lot for this very reason like i saw a clip where they were in a ballroom and it was like all the things that needed to be in like they had the the elaborate white drapery and the glasses and like all of this stuff but it it was all meant for that room it wasn't like there was some outside prop that got brought in we'll get later on in the list and there's no weapons involved well i think so you can't bring something alien to the space into the space i think in that instance though you're potentially upping your production costs because then you have to go find if it's something as elaborate as a ballroom a ballroom that you can rent that's already completely set up and they're going to charge you more money to have Mm -hmm. it look a particular way so like with our props for the dolls and stuff we didn't have to spend that much money because we went to goodwill and found yeah cheap shit and went to it's not shit (laughs) two of the dolls still remain High on the mantle. Uh, We didn't save the cheap telephone. We bought (laughs) some of it was cheap shit. Um, (laughs) And you got a free rug that was donated. We couldn't realistically have poured blood on the carpet that was there. So I I think not being allowed to bring anything in just kind of 
limits yeah. what you can do and also probably increases your costs. Yeah, and that makes sense too. Um, I'm trying to keep in mind as well, this is 95, and I don't know if I brought it up, but it was kind of... And Jack says, fuck your box. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a pushback against the big blockbuster films, you know, Independence Day blowing up the White House. You know, it was kind of meant to yeah. be more reductionist. But that makes a lot of sense. We would have had to have spilled blood on the actual carpet, ruining the carpet. So and we technically couldn't have brought in the stuff to make the fake blood because that would be a prop. So yeah. we would have had to have spilled literal blood on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> It happens. It's European filmmaking. <laughs> so number two, and if you have any points that go back to number one, feel free you know, to kind of hop back in. I don't want to dominate the conversation. So, uh, The sound must never be produced apart from the images or vice versa. Music must not be used unless it occurs where the scene is being shot. Do you know what that's called? I don't. It's called diegetic sound. Is that like you don't get music and then... The guy pulls into the bar parking lot and you get faint music. And then as he enters the door, now you can hear it with the guy. Um, yeah, but they're saying you cannot... Um, you can't edit. put music over the yeah, top Yeah, they're saying it. you can't edit it in yeah. later. So in that instance, the music would have to actually be playing inside the bar while you're mm -hmm. recording. Which, um, depending on what you're recording, is a problem... Um, not mixing up your sound. So whenever you're um, doing your sound mix later in post-production, it's really important for like actors' lines not to step on top of each other when you're recording them or for the music not to be playing on top of the actors' lines you've then yeah. recorded because um, a lot of movies mix their sound for whatever reason where the dialogue is not nearly as loud as the music that's playing. Yeah, we've but, done a lot of two-stars where that was a massive issue. Yeah, but in that instance... That was the sound mixer who mixed it that way. So in theory, if you and I were in a bar talking and there was music actually playing in the bar and the music was so overbearing, you couldn't hear the conversation mm -hmm. the two of us were having, I couldn't go back and post and fix it because it's one sound yeah. file where it's the music's yelling playing. over the... Yeah. So, again, I don't know that I agree with mm -hmm. that. I think um, I did have a, a film I think challenge. it's interesting in concept because then you don't get music if there's just like two people sitting in a room, you mm -hmm. know, not talking to each other. You don't get that dramatic, you know, mood music. But if one of those people were to put a record on the record player, then you'd have the perfect music for that scene. And I do think there is a time and a place for it. I don't think I would apply that rule to every movie I mm -hmm. ever made. There was a challenge I had to do while I was in film school that was literally that. You couldn't have music um, and you couldn't have sound that wasn't naturally occurring in the yeah. scene, which is, like I said, diegetic sound. Um, I got around it by having a Bluetooth speaker mm -hmm. uh, in my shot, and so it's just in a very opening sequence, but you see the speaker power on and music plays, and then the music fades out, and then it's just uh, the rest of the sounds from the actual mm -hmm. thing. And then in Happy birthday. We didn't have any music, and I do think happy birthday would have been worse if music had been added yeah. to it. Because it would have pulled away from the isolation of the character. Yeah, and there was no dialogue in that movie either, so I think that's why that worked so well. Um, you relied on the ambient noise, the jeep starting yeah. up, 
you know, rumbling around. You could hear the shifter going, you know, yeah. the doors open and close have a certain sound to it. The static at the end, yeah. you know, has more of an impact because of all the silence. I think culturally, though, um, we're so used to music being in our movies that you have to be really good at mixing the natural sound mm -hmm. if you're not going to have any music. Because... We're, I think we've we're gotten, an ADHD nation. Yeah, we've gotten to a place where I think people would feel that the movie sounded weird without something mm -hmm. extra, you know? Like, even with Happy Birthday, there were a couple of scenes where the sound that was occurring in the scene wasn't loud enough, so I had to layer extra sounds on top of it to make it, yeah, like, a little more oomph. So, I don't know. These are really tricky challenges. They're... Well, I'm not, I'm not holding a gun to your head and no, forcing you to do them. I just, I just think I it's an interesting thought experiment because they're a concept. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also it's 95. One of these on here is laughable. Uh, we'll get to it. Rule number nine. Um, but this is done in 95. Uh, it's trying to fight those big blockbuster films, and they wanted to get a laser focus between the director, the lens that the director was looking through, and the performance of the actors. So it's to exemplify character mm -hmm. uh, that's driving the story instead of what I guess they viewed as like overlaid bullshit, <laughs> like props and gimmicks and you know, just, bring it back to the human element. Like I kind of want to like attempt these for one movie. I just feel like if you tried to do it every movie you ever made, your movies would be kind of yeah. all the same. They made like 30 films this way yeah. and I've never heard of any of them. <laughs> I might attempt one, but that'd be it. <laughs> be that. uh, rule number three. I like this rule. The mm -hmm. camera must be handheld. Any movement or immobility, any movement or immobility attainable in the hand is permitted. I will say I do actually shoot a lot of my stuff, um, I guess, technically handheld. I have a shoulder rig that I use quite a bit. I um, like it because it has the natural shake, mm -hmm. you know, so like your eyes are constantly moving around the screen. So if the screen's subtly moving, you know, like with the heartbeat of the person holding the camera, it feels more natural. Yeah. I don't like tripod shots. So There's much. a time and a place for tripod shots, yeah. though. Like. I think... I'm not the filmmaker, love. No, I, I know. You are. I know. No, I, but I'm just saying, like, I, I do shoot most of my stuff um, off of my shoulder rig, mm -hmm. so I shoot a lot of it uh, kind of freehand myself. The shoulder rig gives me a little more stability so the camera's not literally, yeah. like, shaking. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like any scene where there's any, like, serious, like, action or, like, momentum or tension or anything going on... Um, static shots where the camera's just on a tripod feel weird and unnatural. Yeah. And I... Because you don't feel like you're spectating. It feels like a film when it's yeah. still still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I do think for like certain dialogue shots or whatever where you're just listening to a conversation, yeah. it feels a bit more natural. I think if the camera's kind of moving a bit, that's a little distracting sometimes. So I think it kind of depends on what you're shooting. But yeah, I, I, I will agree. I shoot most mm -hmm. of my stuff off of the tripod. <clears throat> Do you think it works because it kind of gives it more of like a document, 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 Jacks, please quit with the bone. <laughs> more of a documentary feel. Like Thing. you feel like you're, because it's got a slight imperfection to it, you feel like you're a part of the action or? Well, I think it's a bit more of a natural feeling just being like a person. Like nobody, 
naturally just sits in a room and stares straight and yeah. their eyes don't move around at all like it's kind of a natural occurrence for us to kind of drift and look around the room and kind of take in our environment so i think whenever the camera isn't like aggressively shaking just kind of moving and drifting with the scene a little bit it yeah. feels a bit more natural like this is the viewer kind of watching this moment i guess fuck yeah I've realized at this point in the list, I'm not a filmmaker. All I can do is, I like movies. (laughs) 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 Number four, the film must be in color. Special lighting is not acceptable. If there is too little light for exposure, the scene must be cut or a single lamp be attached to the camera. I hardcore disagree with that. I think lamp is in like flashlight or... Well, I have that little light that mounts to my yeah. camera, but I, I never use that light. That's like when I'm desperate for a little extra light. Yeah, but they're looking for the natural lighting of the natural setting that they've established in scene, or in rule number one. I feel like that's so limiting. It's very limiting, love. I'm not making you do so this. Limiting. Don't get mad at me just because <laughs> Lars and Thomas fucking did some shit <laughs> when I was four years old. Kind of silly rules, actually. <laughs> I kind of want to see one of these movies and see what they turned out like. Like... I don't. I think people go overboard with lighting for sure sometimes, but I. And that's what they're trying to avoid. I don't think I've Use ever. Use the natural light. I don't think I've ever shot a film and not used light at least in one or two scenes ever. Yeah. But like, what you can't create with unnatural light, you could create with a fireplace or a campfire in a, in a in a night shot. I, I I could foresee you having issues doing nighttime scenes with that rule. Well, just even in daylight, like if you're indoors a lot of the time, um, unless you have a really advanced camera, like cheaper cameras just can't really see the light as clearly. So then you Mm -hmm. get very grainy footage that just doesn't look good. And that was the critic's argument against it was that it looks like cheap pornography. Yeah. And then we'll get to why with rule number nine. And then I feel like because even in Happy Birthday, when we were just doing the interview scenes of you just sitting on the couch, that was all shot during the day. But I still put up a light because Mm -hmm. I feel like when you I'm not good at lighting, so I don't have the understanding that a lot of people that have been doing it you know their whole career do but like when you light people intentionally with a focus you can set up much more intentional dramatic shadows that Mm -hmm. help elevate the mood of the shot so i think it's naive to think that the natural light is always the best light yeah like if you're doing outside shots you could probably get away with it it's like it's 12 noon you know Golden hour is stunning. Uh, what is golden hour? So, uh, as the sun's either rising or setting. Okay, when it's I didn't know if really... you were telling me about an art film that I'd no, never heard no. of or not. The no. golden hour. No, yeah. golden, no, I know what that is. Golden hour is stunning. I don't, I don't think anybody can really effectively recreate that beautiful sunset light that the yeah. sun gives us. But uh, that's my one and only exception because even when the sun's like. You know, it's 12 o'clock and the sun's at the top of the sky. That lighting's very harsh, so it just mm-hmm. doesn't look flattering. We have to watch Midsommar. I've never seen that, and that's all outside during the day. Yeah, we do need to watch that. I've heard that one was good, too. I hope it's Midsommar and not Midsummer. I've heard it pronounced both ways. It's it S-O-M-M-A-R, like it's... so I'm going Somar. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds classier, too. Next Somar. one. And this is kind of in the same vein. Optical work, which you're going to have to explain to me, and filters are forbidden. I don't know what they mean by optical work, to be honest. Um, 
Yeah, I have no idea on that one. Like, you can add filters to your lens to, like, kind of change mm -hmm. the way it looks, but I don't know if they mean... Um, uh, I'm blanking on the word I'm looking for. I really don't know what they mean by that, to be honest. I Yeah. <laughs> sure. I, what about filters? How do you feel about filters? I don't Is that really... like putting a blue hue on the film like we talked about on one of the other episodes? Where you can go in with your new software and you can blue the whole film or green the whole film? I think they mean when you're actually shooting. So I'm not really sure if they mean in post or while you're shooting. Um, you can add different filters to the actual lens that'll kind of adjust the way the camera shoots. I don't really use filters. The only one that I would think would ever really be necessary is called an ND filter. Mm -hmm. um, and the only thing, it's a neutral density filter. The only thing that it does is if you're shooting outside in the bright sunlight, it makes it where your camera doesn't overexpose the light. Like it mm -hmm. can see the light at a more acceptable range, I guess. Um, I don't, I don't, well, I was going to say they might mean filters on lights, but you're not allowed to have lights. So I really don't know <laughs> what they mean by that. Okay, moving on to number six. This is controversial. I figure we could get into this. The film must not contain superficial actions parentheses murders weapons etc must not occur can they occur off camera and it's just a part of your story i, I wouldn't see why not that doesn't feel like it violates the rule but killing yeah. somebody on camera is not actually killing them so i can kind of see where they're at with that weapons i feel depends entirely on the rule established in rule number one if, if i'm in a kitchen and there's a knife block i should be allowed to use that knife at least to intimidate yeah. if I don't use it to kill on camera. Yeah, I think that's kind of a silly rule because, again, that limits what your movie can even be about. It can only be so violent if you can't introduce a murder. Well, it, it kind of limits um, thrillers, horrors, or anything. Unless it's off-screen death. Yeah, yeah. Like, so to that end, you're basically limited to either just a drama that's like mostly conversation or a rom-com or something along those mm -hmm. lines. I feel like that just for whatever reason cuts out like an entire genre of film for no reason. A couple of genres, yeah. Yeah. Can't do gore porn if you can't show a murder, but that might I be the point. <laughs> I don't like gore porn, so I'm okay with that. But I, I don't consider murder by default superficial um, if it's an integral part of the story. Maybe their complaint with it is that like nobody's actually going to act as they're killing somebody or being killed by somebody. So there's like a level of on-screen murder that is superficial, where it's like you don't need to show it. I do. I do agree. You can if, show the body. You don't need to show the act. I do agree. If you don't have the means to do it well, it's better to not show it. So I definitely think there are some films where they should have just left it off, like um, like our film. Yeah, uh, we couldn't. We couldn't show it, so we definitely just did not. Um, yeah, I don't have the means to. Happy birthday. <laughs> I don't have the means to effectively blow Brett's brains out without literally Brain blowing store. Brett's brains out. Uh, but no, I think. Um, fuck! What was the very first two star we ever did, where they like had just graduated, or they were coming back for their ten year reunion? Or oh whatever? yeah, I remember what you're saying, yeah. but I don't remember what it was called. I don't remember what that movie was called. They were either. being killed off by one a guy in a fucking graduation, uh, graduation outfit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that's what came to mind but like several of those deaths looked really cheesy so several of those deaths I probably would have mm -hmm. left off camera and I think the first death was off camera but that one shot where 
he throws the hat and pins the girl to the wall and yeah. like she isn't quite dead yet so he has to like finish her off i think was actually a pretty cool shot mm -hmm. and like not that that movie was a good movie by any means but uh they pulled that scene off and like if you can get away with it then Fucking i don't see why you shouldn't be able to show it go for it because <laughs> i believed that chick got <laughs> held by a hat with a razor in it <laughs> or um once upon a time in hollywood spoiler alert just in case you haven't seen that one because it's a big one one and a two and a one Two, three, four, the pit bull killing those fucking people. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy. Or even Peaky Blinders where they have the razors in their hats. That's relevant. Peaky to, goes hard. It's yeah. relevant to them being mobsters. So, I mean, there are times where stuff like that is believable. You need to see the visceral fucking nature of the character, you know, mm -hmm. at some point. Yeah. Or if you're doing a monster movie, those people always have guns. Oh, I thought you said monsters. I no, was like, monsters. they are monsters, really. Monsters, <laughs> no. Like, if you're doing a mobster movie, even, like, mo all mobsters have guns. Yeah, you have to <laughs> shoot somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the hardcore part in American Gangster with uh, Denzel Washington is when he pours out all the sugar on his table and then walks out and demands his money from old boy. And dude's like, what are you going to do? Shoot me on the street in front of all these people? And then Denzel just pulls the trigger and blows his fucking yep. head off. And he's like, all right. I wouldn't understand the Frank Lucas played by Denzel Washington without both a weapon and a murder happening in broad daylight with filters. <laughs> I wonder if you're allowed to have just a death occur, like a violent death. Like, could you have a car crash where somebody died? Yeah. What is your definition of superficial yeah. when it comes to violent acts? That's a, yeah, that's just a bizarre rule. It, like, alienates an entire section of film. Hell yeah. I like my references. Like, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's talked about American Gangster in the past fucking five years? This guy. Right over here. Red Blue. Yeah, number seven. Uh, temporal and geographical alienation are forbidden. That is to say that the film takes place here and now. So no time pieces. Yeah, you can't go, silly. this is 1776, fuck The Patriot, that's fuck silly. Braveheart. Both of those are Mel Gibson movies. <laughs> it has to be here. It can't be a week from now or a week ago. Here and now, yeah. this is occurring. Which is silly because I didn't do it, but um, one of the final projects i think it was when you and i did the dolls um that got presented in class was like a timepiece, and i cannot for the life of me remember when they said it i think it was like the 1800s or something like that and like the whole thing because it was a short film mm -hmm. happened in one room and like somebody comes in and like something crazy happens i can't really remember and i think it's like basically like oh like you know the war is starting or whatever i can't remember what the story was about but the whole thing occurred in one room they had really believable costumes, and then I think it was meant to be lit by candlelight, but yeah. obviously they really lit it for real. But it looked convincingly like they were like in this old-timey cabin with, yeah, you know. yeah, with candlelight. The Confederacy is coming. Yeah, and it was basically kind of like that. Um, and I think they shot one of the characters, too, so they did have <laughs> a gun and violence or whatever, too. Um but it looked hella convincing, and it was a student film. It looked incredible. I think it was one of the best projects that got turned in. Like, and I turned in a film that semester, <laughs> so... <laughs> like, you know, you want to be the person who turns in the best yeah. thing. I, may, I think it may have been the best thing that got turned in, and it was a timepiece. So, like, you can effectively do 
period pieces with not... I'd say they're few and far between. Like, I like a handful. I just named two of them that I Peaky really Blinders. enjoy. Peaky Blinders is fucking brilliant. Um, I technically, even American Gangster. I mean, it's set in the 60s or, you know, late 60s, early 70s based on a real guy. It's a biographical, yeah. so it's not really a timepiece. But, like, you couldn't have any futuristic films, so you wouldn't get 2001, A Space Odyssey. <laughs> this movie just feels like... I mean, t 2001's in the past now, so that's a little strange. This list just feels like it's for people that have absolutely no money to make a movie. Oh, you mean the Danish filmmakers, and Lars and Thomas? And it's justifying <laughs> making a crappy movie instead of trying to push your limits without having a budget. Like, this feels like it's just justifying, oh, your movie sucks because you have no money. It's okay, just follow It feels roles. like they're particularly mad at American filmmakers in 1995, doesn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, these are kind of silly rules, actually. The further we like get the down... the Americans. We just want to make British... I don't know what the Danes sound like. <laughs> if we have any Danish listeners, please send me a voicemail so I can hear your fucking voice. <laughs> there were a couple of rules at the top where I was like, okay, maybe. But the further we get down, I'm like, these are kind of dumb. Number eight's super dumb. Well, number eight is genre movies are not acceptable. So what does that mean? Like, you can't... Like, it means you don't get Lord of the Rings. Like, what does that even mean, though? Like, pretty it means much, no Saul. Pretty much every movie is classified into some type of genre, yeah. even if it's just, like, a drama. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the Dewey Decibel system. Like, I, I, I'm looking for a romance. Would you like a Stephen King book? No, I don't want a horror. Yeah. I want a romance. That's so weird. What does that even mean? Well, then I guess what they're trying to get at there is films should be made about real people. Like, real people situations. Just human. Humanity as opposed to horror or romance. Yeah, so you, it should be a blend of all emotion. Yeah, but we're not going to make a movie about us going to the grocery store. Like, if we make a movie about just day-to-day -day stuff, it's probably going to be like... That customer that pissed Brett off at work, and then it's still kind of a drama because drama's happening. Yeah, there is drama in that situation. But I think that's what they're saying, is that you can have drama in the work. You could have horror in the work. There should be an element of action in the work, but it shouldn't be an action movie. So again, you wouldn't get the Avengers. Well, I don't think anybody really sets out, maybe like superhero movies, but I don't think anybody really sets out to be like, I'm going to make a thriller today. I think they have a story that they think is neat, and then we have a rating system. Yeah. And My favorite genre could not exist if there were no genres. Yeah. If it wasn't for the horror movie. What does it do? It makes you feel bad? <laughs> yeah, I don't think people sit down and go, I'm going to write a horror yeah. today. I had a long day at work. Let me watch a comedy. Oh, I can't watch a comedy. No more Jim Carrey films. Yeah. That's a weird film. <laughs> How dare you make film that... I'm going to just get to keep attempting European Terrible. accents because I don't even know where Dane Terrible is. Danish <laughs> what, what is Danish? Where are they from? Dane. The Netherlands? <laughs> are those the Danish people? Uh, I don't know. I don't know where... We're sounding really stupid. Um, number nine, <laughs> which we've teased this entire episode because I think it's hilarious, but I kind of stand by it because I've, I've always been interested in this format. The film format must be Academy 35 millimeter. My new camera is a 35 millimeter, millimeter sensor. Um, it's super 35 millimeter. Um, so Can you explain to me what Academy 35 is? I can't, actually. I'm assuming it's the type of film. 
like um, for the Academy standard for the globe or? I have no idea. Maybe is yeah. it the globe um, that the I'm Academy assuming, does? I'm assuming whenever um, films switched over to that format, there was probably a standard that was considered the acceptable format, and yeah, it's probably whatever the uh, acceptable format of film was, but. Nobody is going to shoot in film these days. I'm sorry. If you're on a budget, you're not. It was 95. The internet just started. <laughs> if you're on a budget, you were uh, not filming on film. It's much more expensive. And um, you can't see the work as you're recording the work. So you just have to hope you got it right. <laughs> yeah, you got to hope that the writing's yeah. okay. Because your viewfinder is separate from what's actually being yeah. recorded. Yeah, so... Um, it could look brilliant to you in the camera, and but... And then your film is ruined, and you didn't know it until after you wrapped production. Yeah, I... So you're pushing back on rule number nine? I just... It's not practical. I mean, I would like to one day, maybe, if I just had a lot of money to throw around, shoot a movie on film, but it's really not practical financially. I would love to do it and learn how to do it because I've always been like obsessed with the splicing the individual mm -hmm. reels and being like cut and that yeah, out. Yeah, that would be a pain yeah. in the ass. Too. Fun yeah. fact about Brett that I don't even think you know. Um, one of my favorite films growing up was Titanic. I saw it in a hotel one time when we were moving I believe from I'm not even going to guess because I can't remember the year right now. Um, it was I think it was Florida to Texas. So it would have been around 95 96 like i can't remember when titanic came out so don't pin me down it was in a hotel room the first time i saw titanic and i became obsessed with that fucking movie i loved it i had the titanic painted on my wall and so um my mom bought me the vhs collector's edition i had a little box it was a little blue box um you okay with that? yes <laughs> very smoky over here <laughs> So I had a little blue box that had both the VHS tapes because it was such a long movie you needed multiple VHSs to be able to play it. And um, my favorite part about it was there were four or five uh, film strips in there. So you got like, you know, uh, Leo with his arms held out, you know, was on a film strip and there were like five pictures of that. And then you're like, oh shit, that's how the film was made. So like I've got a little bit of an obsession with I want to be in a thing I like Fight Club when they, like he splices in pieces of pornography into the films. <laughs> I've always been really interested in that yeah. antiquity of it. They started uh, uh, the semester after I graduated a class using um, 35 millimeters, and like they would show you how to actually shoot on them. I don't know if they showed you how to edit mm -hmm. the footage or not, but I do think it'd be neat to learn. I just I would never ever intentionally just only shoot in film yes yeah. it's, it's really not practical <laughs> i don't know and number 10 the director must not be credited i like this rule i dislike this rule at the same time i think the director's credit should come at the very end of the film that way, if it's a piece of shit, you know whose piece of shit it is. You don't open you know this is brought to you by quentin tarantino i want to go holy fuck I thought that looked like a Tarantino. I don't, I don't know put, why he's come up so often today. I don't put any of our credits on our movies until the tail end. I, I'm not a huge fan of opening credits. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe if I had a feature-length film, I might do it just because that's what you do these days. But Or an otherworldly type thing where you need, like, a montage to bring you into this yeah. fantastical place. But, yeah, all of our 
short films, the credits are all at the tail end. I do credit myself first, um, but... Uh, As you should, it's your film. I have mixed feelings about that. I don't necessarily mind not having a visual credit on the movie, because, I mean, it's still my movie either way. I never I, want to be credited as an actor. <laughs> I have credited <laughs> Even as an actor. <laughs> I am an actor. You have uh, been According credited. to my IMDB, that's what I do now. But... <laughs> We should give we should give me a different name in our films, like you know this role played by John Smith or whatever, yeah. you know. So people are like, man, that John Smith is a terrible actor, but holy fuck, Brett Bloom writes his ass off. <laughs> I think my problem with this role isn't so much not being credited as the director. My problem is I think that every person who contributes to the movie should be credited. Yeah. All the way down to the best boy, um, Jack's yeah. Blue. <laughs> so, yeah, even on the dolls, like, the people that let us borrow their house, like, had a credit. Yeah, even though they Alicia didn't, and Caleb, yeah. we love you guys. Um, even though they didn't actually have any part in making the movie itself, they let us use their house and were very gracious about us being there for, like, I think it was, like, three separate days. Mm-hmm. So I, I think anyone that contributes deserves to be acknowledged. So it seems silly to not credit the director and only credit everyone else yeah so i guess that's my only like that's kind of weird because i would want to credit the other people i wouldn't want to just be like nobody gets credit (laughs) so if you're going to credit everybody it seems kind of silly not to credit that role as well i agree that's where it's strange because it feels really classy to just be like don't even put your stamp on it Mm mm-hmm just make it fire and fucking forget, you know, Which make I, them wonder who made that film. I do wonder with our short films in particular, if I should be adding credits to them at all. Like I, I like it just because it's, it is such a small production mm-hmm. that it feels really professional. I think it's kind of cute. Like I want to make up all of the movie posters when we finally get an office and be like, yeah, it looks like a feature film, doesn't it? No, it's five and a half minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> I, have. I paid a lot of money for that poster for a film that nobody's seen. I have considered on a couple of them just not having any credits at all and it just being the film, but to me, again, we're so... Well, that would feel amateur. Yeah, again, to me, yeah, we're so used to having credits at the end that if the movie just ends and that's it, it's like, where's the bookend, you know? Yeah. like. <laughs> so I feel like... Where's kinda, my acknowledgements page? <laughs> yeah, I feel like you kind of almost need the credits to be like, okay, and we're done now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. So that's the entirety of the list. What do you, What do you think? It's very restrictive. Do you like I, any of them? I like the idea of shooting on location. I think not being able to bring props in is silly. Um, I don't mind... I think the props should have to fit the location. Like, if yeah. you're shooting inside of a Victorian house, then you need Victorian props. Yeah. Or, like, even if... Um... But then again, you can't have any timepieces, so what am I doing shooting yeah. in a Victorian location? <laughs> just something relevant to the story like we brought in dolls for the dolls and we brought in the chainsaw from somewhere else but that yeah. was relevant to the story or like your actors but you would have found a chainsaw in a tool shed like that but i think their implication is it literally has to be there a shed. do what i think their implication though is it literally has to be there like okay. if there wasn't a chainsaw there we would have had to have used a different prop which they had other stuff but if we had gotten there and there was no chainsaw there, we'd be like, fuck, I guess you better rewrite. We're chopping this door down with an axe now. Luckily, Brett's got a machete in his Jeep. Let's do this. <laughs> but then we would have been ripping off the shiny. Um, he had yeah, an axe, I, not a machete. Well, whatever. Um, yeah, I think shooting on location's fine. Um, 
like real world sound is fine. Uh, I, I don't know that I agree with no music. I hand like the camera. real world music and the handheld camera. I, I, I'm torn on the superficial violence uh, thing. So I do think you need a level of it to establish. Like, yeah, once the dark... we get past number three, I don't really agree with any of these. <laughs> yeah, like The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger's Joker. The best scene, or one of the best scenes, I love that movie, um, but one of the best scenes in there is the pencil trick. It's visceral, it's simple, it's right in front of you, and it establishes who the Joker is in this world. He will kill a man to make a point. But, like, our, our film... Our TV uh, idea, yeah, that I'm not really going to give away that we did required a druggie shooting up, so then we had to bring in fake heroin, yeah, <laughs> and like fake needles and stuff like that. So like, what do you do for stuff like that? Like, you can't have stories involving any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem with the list. It's too clean. It doesn't understand the visceral nature of a lot of characters. Yeah, like, it's it's character so driven, but like you can only recreate certain types of characters to a, to, to a certain extent. So basically, if we wanted to shoot a drug movie, we'd have to go to an actual meth den. Yeah. And have Watch actual, actual actors smoke actual meth. Yeah, well, they wouldn't even be actors. We'd have to get druggies to do it. Hope <laughs> they didn't rob us while we were there. <laughs> so. Attempt to purify filmmaking <coughs> and liberate filmmakers. Yeah. I, no, I disagree. By constraining the scope of how they could make a film, everything on location, genre is unacceptable, all cameras must be a handheld. I think, where, I think a, where a list like this might be constructive would be if you're, ironically, because it's film school rejects, would be if you're in film school. Because like I said, I did do a You've movie. got an assignment that's like, hey, you know, fucking put away yeah. your bells and whistles at you and the camera. Go. Yeah, and this is teaching you maybe very basic concepts, but I, I don't think they're realistic to being a working professional. Like, I did do a movie in film school that was based on natural sound and you couldn't have music and then... Um, you know, various challenges like that. I, I never had one where you couldn't use lighting. That's kind of silly, because then that makes it where you don't learn the art of lighting, yeah. which is an art. But I, I would see this being more useful, I think, for someone who's still learning, maybe. Hell fucking yeah. Well, that's, the, that, that's my main topic for today. Do you want to move on to your topic? Sure. Cool. Um, I'm sorry that mine ate up the large chunk of the show. Oh, no, you're fine. I didn't really have any major thoughts anyway. Um, <laughs> I have no thoughts. <laughs> I am thoughtless. <laughs> Maybe I should have this list. <laughs> um, no, I just... I, I'm going to grab a refill. Per usual. Um, that's been a rough week. <laughs> uh, that seems to be the constant theme. Uh, we are in a pandemic, though, so, you know, it happens. Not anymore. It's over. <laughs> Um, so Brett and I kind of sort of had, I guess, a little bit of a deeper discussion last night before he dislocated his arm. Yeah. Um, and I, it just kind of had me thinking about, uh, mental health in general and creativity. So I guess I was kind of curious if you felt like, cause I've been going to the gym, you know, this week and like whenever I left today, I was like, oh, I feel accomplished and yeah all the good vibes because I worked out or whatever. Like if you feel like whenever you're working on writing, if your writing is better or more focused when you're in a good place, or do you think kind of chaotic energy in your life helps you 
represent that chaos in your work or is the work a form of mentally putting yourself back in a better place like do you feel like it ties in at all well i'm diagnosed bipolar <laughs> i have no idea yeah it comes up all the time <laughs> um so like so much of my life is in the chaos i don't feel like my best writing comes out of mania mm-hmm feel like some of my best rough drafts come out of mania but i've got to cut three-fourths of what i write down out of the piece like what was i thinking what about? the fuck <laughs> happened there i've got a um i've become obsessed with this uh whiteboard this week this is a bit of my personal anxiety and i've taken to doing marker drawings late into the night um one of which i'm really proud of but it's a combination of four others that i've done this week um I, I I don't know. I think I think about things in a really strange way when I'm off kilter. Um, but it's like what they say about Hemingway. It's like Hemingway was not a great writer because he was a drunk. He was a great writer who happened to be a drunk. You know, Hunter Thompson was this wild man who happened to be a good writer. It, 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 it wasn't the chaos that made him a good writer. Yeah. It didn't hurt. <laughs> like when shit goes off for me personally I try to take note I try to write panicked little scribblings um, but I have to hit a meditative state where I can reflect on the things that I've written in the chaos to actually get any good writing done um, if I'm in a good place mentally I'm writing a lot do you feel like the writing itself is meditative for you? Yeah, I think I lose my mind without it. Like if I, it, I used to love going to the gym two times a day. <laughs> I, I would love to go back to the gym. I'm really thinking about doing it again now that I know that I don't need to wear a mask while I'm underneath, you know, weight. And I think that'll help me out a lot because it gives me a place to burn out like a lot of that rage. Um, so it doesn't boil over and I flip out into cycles. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the best work comes when your head's clear. Yeah, I was thinking, because we were talking last night about how I was feeling about my own work. and um, It's brilliant. <laughs> I love uh, it. I love you. I love you. Um, I, I do feel like, I guess, having highs and lows, I don't really have, like, highs per se but um mostly lows <laughs> mostly lows i made Kristen uh, a beautiful ribeye yesterday and then she cried i had steak breakfast <laughs> we had a massive steak breakfast this morning because <laughs> we each ate like crushed it <laughs> yeah because we each ate like three slices of steak last night and then cried and I'm held sorry. each other <laughs> sweetheart no it's okay um but no i was thinking like i do feel like having highs and lows kind of gives me a more conscious awareness of Kind of that energy in the work like whenever you like i was uh telling you the trailer for the movie that we're gonna watch was like literally watching a panic attack on screen and i was like i want to find a place where i can figure out how to manipulate that emotion in that yeah. way so i feel like having the kind of ups and downs gives me like a bit more of an understanding of that the guy yeah, i do feel like um my work is not particularly exceptional when I'm in a low, so that was something I was thinking about this week, like having gone back to the gym, like how 
I guess, positivity in your life kind of mm-hmm. starts with yourself. So, like, whether it's your work or your relationships or whatever, you kind of have to start with your own energy and what you're doing yeah. with your own life. Because I do feel like whenever we did, um, the dolls, you and I were kind of in a weird place at the time. Very, very strange place. <laughs> that was still very early into our relationship. We weren't we were... sure if we were still in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was very cold and raining one night, and I didn't have a Jeep top on my Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> I had to um, drive 45 minutes in the cold in a tank top. But I, I told you last <laughs> night, I felt like the trailer for the dolls was probably the closest I had come with any of my work to kind of capturing that mood that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when I was working on the dolls, like I had a very, or when I was working on the trailer for the dolls, I had a very specific deadline it had to be done by. And like there was like a goal and a purpose, and like I wanted it to be something we were both proud of. So like I. I feel like there was a bit more of that focus drive and um, with Brainstorm and Happy Birthday, it's just been such a weird year in general. Yeah. I've been kind of emotionally all over, so I am kind of hoping kind of refocusing myself like does make the next film a bit more intentional. Because, yeah, I, I don't know. Think, well, the yeah. next one is highly improvisational. If you're wondering, no, still haven't written the script. <laughs> still don't know how the fuck to piece this thing together. I have a beautiful idea in my head, and I have no fucking idea where to start we'll it. I've never written improv. I have no idea. <laughs> we'll this is going to be a heavily Kristen-driven film. I'd be like, okay, here's the concept. There's a paragraph. Go. <laughs> I am curious, though. I was thinking about this in the shower, uh, like mental health and art and all that yeah um, I, I was I, I was gonna come to you with a shitload of information but then I found myself on my third like master's program essay that I was reading on Google Scholar and I was like I don't I can't tie these together I, <laughs> I don't know anything about the brain <laughs> I know a shitload about the frontal lobes and that's it <laughs> <laughs> well thinking of creativity and mental health and just kind of um I guess, like, our focused energies. Like, I'm very curious. If you had a bucket list for what you wanted to accomplish as a writer, like, what do you want to get done before? Before I die? Yeah. Well, my goal is I want to write something that allows me to write the next thing. <laughs> like, I don't even need, like, fuck you money. Mm. I just want maybe enough to get me through a year or two, like in an advance. Um, but my ultimate goal is to write something that I can sell for a suicide prevention charity. It's been my dream since before I could drive. It's never left me. Like I want to do numbers like Stephen King's It, like something that fucking on point. And then just give all that money to a cause where people, I don't know if I know how to word it correctly. Like people think that because of the genre that I'm involved in, um, the kind of music I enjoy, that it's all negative and I don't think they get to see the positive side of it. So I want to write something that scares the fuck out of you and then make your money go to saving people because things that scared the fuck out of me saved my life. Yeah. So, like, that is my number one bucket list item. I want to make, you know, five million that I can kick off to a phone line that somebody can call. 
And then my ultimate, ultimate bucket list item is to retire and own and run a bar. I want to be the old guy <laughs> waxing the wood in some fucking pub location, you know, in a community. It's like, oh, there's old Brett. He just hangs out down there. He lost his hair back in 2030. <laughs> and he just wants to talk about life and talk to the creative writing students and just be like, hey, man, yeah, hold the writer's room, you know. I... I, I I'm done being angry, you know? <laughs> I write angry things. It's how I get the demon out. But, it, no, I just want to help people. Yeah. Okay. What is your goal? Um, I don't know. I want it's... to re-kill Stanley Kubrick. Yes. No. Um... <laughs> I want to dig him up. <laughs> kill him again. I don't know if it's my ultimate big, big goal, and it's a little... Um... A little more selfish, I guess, than what yours was. But Mine's I... very selfish because it involves establishing myself in the industry and then making a shitload of money on an assumption <laughs> yeah, that so I can, can donate help. to suicide so you prevention. Can help people, though. Yeah. Like, my... I think I've come to realize that a bit more with the last two short films that we've done. Like, to some extent, the work talks to you, and to some extent... When you're working on something, oh, your poor shoulder. That one hit the, that one hit <laughs> the microphone. <laughs> um, I think to some extent, the work has to go in a certain place. Like you're kind of just molding it, but ultimately the final product yeah. is kind of already there. Oddly enough, it never feels like my idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, not it, not my, the ultimate I, the yeah. overall everybody's I. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so, so I think to some extent when you're working on something, the work in its own weird way is guiding you, but like, um, I feel like while I'm still learning, the work that I've been doing kind of feels like in the end when I'm at, like at the point where I'm just editing, trying to salvage like the mold that I accidentally broke a piece off and I'm like, fuck, yeah. how do I... Like our glass blowing yeah. show that we've <laughs> yeah. been watching. Yeah. yeah, like how do I patch this thing because I've, I've broken part of it and now I've got to figure out how to fix it. And, I tried um... to get it in the glory hole and I fucking... <laughs> Real world knowledge. Yeah. Blown away. It's a show about blowing glass. It was holes. awesome. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like maybe the more I learn and the more I kind of... Um, get in tune with how I feel whenever I'm creating like it's coming a little bit more naturally and I think ultimately my goal is that I want to make a piece of work that surprises me like even that's though I'm, I'm the one that shot it and I'm the one that edited it and I'm the one who saw it from start to finish and I knew what it was going to be like I, I want to make a movie like the trailer that I just watched um, for the movie that we're about to watch where I'm like this is visceral like you know and whether it's a happy movie or a scary movie or whatever you know a piece of work that i watch and i go i feel this you know mm -hmm. i, I want to be caught off guard by something i made in a way that like feels genuine you know yeah. instead of like oh fuck like i barely got that thing together you know <laughs> I, I want it to be a work that feels sincere that's interesting because the the issue that writers run into is while you're writing so much of what you have to cut out is that visceral part of yourself. So the filmmaker's goal is to take something and hope that it inspires awe in themselves and the audience. And to get it done perfectly, according to your bucket list wish, 
is to almost completely backwards engineer the writing process where <laughs> the writer is there at the keyboard crying and crying and crying and then it's like the boring scientific editing out move this over here i'm never gonna read this fucking thing i've read it 50 fucking times the entire time i've got here i've got to read it three mm -hmm. times before i can send it off to my agent <laughs> and I, I do feel like in some way so it gets like stressful as a writer as you get away from the emotion and you coming from a technical point have yeah. to work it back to the emotion yeah i, I do feel like a lot That's of interesting. a lot of ways um filmmaking is the opposite it's very scientific up front so it's like we got to position it this way and light it this way and make sure we get this shot. And then you don't really see what the art is until you're in the editing day and it's finally coming together as a piece. So like initially up front, it's... Give me all my puzzle pieces yeah. so I can see what the puzzle looks like. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, initially up front it is just like a lot of science behind what making a film is. And then in the end you're kind of like, oh God, like that's what we came up with, you know? So like <laughs> I, I want to have a movie where I'm like... I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it other than, like I said, like I, I want to be emotionally pulled in like I've never seen like it Like you want to cry to your own film yeah, or like laugh a, with your yeah. own film. Like I, I want to see it for the artwork that other people see it as and see it as genuine, not like, oh, like that's a bad shot or like, oh, we fucked that up, you know? Like I, I want to Do you think you it. could ever get there? Because I, I feel like as artists, and this is another thing that we talked about last night, um, when you stop doing that, are you still an artist? Like, if you look at it and you're like, it's perfect and there's nothing I would change. It's like, well, I think I you're a fraud. I don't I want it to be perfect, per se. Like, I, I, I don't necessarily want it to be, like, 100% critic score or whatever, you know, or anything like that. And it doesn't even have to be in a academy award-winning yeah. film like but I if you watch want... the godfather you can still see the problem in the editing process and the funeral scene when you get the ghost yeah. it's like it's the, <laughs> one of the greatest films yeah. ever made and there is a massive goddamn <laughs> error that nobody caught yeah. <laughs> and i i'm very critical of my work so i doubt i'll ever hit a point where i don't see anything at all that i would want to change and i'm fine with that but i, I want to watch it and like fill the intent of it i guess like, in a real way, yeah. versus just being like, this movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel that they all suck, or yeah. do you feel... <laughs> yeah, I do. I really if do. If it's any consolation, I hate the Madman Diaries, but you can buy it on Barnes & Noble or Amazon right now, <laughs> or you can send me an email at an email address, I'll give you in a minute, you send me $10, I'll send it to you anywhere <laughs> in the world. I That's hate a... that fucking book. I like two of the stories out of 15. Yeah. It's not that I think that the concept sucked or anything like that. Like, I'm like, oh, like, it was there, I just didn't... Like, like I said, I was molding it, and I broke a piece off and tried to save it, but the piece that I broke off was still missing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I feel like it was like, oh, we could have got there but we didn't quite you know yeah so yeah I, I i don't think they're all like the worst thing that have ever been created by any means it's not like that extreme but i'm just like eh, no, that, one, that one wasn't the one one of my favorites is happy birthday for sure my issue with happy birthday is we had to use a doll <laughs> yeah, i hate that <laughs> <laughs> and it was very obviously a doll yes. in the final cut yes i tried to fix it <laughs> and that's okay <laughs> We didn't have money for a baby. I'm sorry. It was the winter in Montana. We made a film outside. <laughs> there were so many things that went right with that movie, you know? And Brainstorm. 
have issues with my own acting. I thought you shot it very well. <laughs> Suicide's a little goofy, some of the you know, commentary back and forth, but we never tried to do anything like that before. And we did really well having never done anything like that before. So it's important to stay positive and not let the imposter syndrome sleep in or you're going to fucking slink, not sleep. My beers are catching my tongue. Um, to not let the imposter syndrome like slink in, you know, or you're going to feel as limited as the rules that we went over today. Well, I don't, I don't feel like they were a waste of time. It's not like I'm like, uh, we shouldn't have done it at all. I'm like, ah, oh, well, I learned. Better luck next time, you yeah, know? I'll get it done. <clears throat> yeah. Goal is to make a movie. That moves you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I had for the day. Okay. You ready to go eat some chili and watch? Yes, smells really good. Um... I've been thinking of ending things. All right. And we'll get to you guys um, on that one on Tuesday. In the meantime, you can go to our Facebook page at... Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Or the Grams... At Nightmare Box Productions. Or the Twitter. <laughs> Why are you so down on the Twitter? I need... Because I keep telling myself every day, I'm like, I should really be better about uh, promoting us at all. <laughs> Twitter's yeah, the easiest even, one because it's only um, 140 characters. The I don't descriptions need to come up. on the podcast, so I'm not doing that great either. <laughs> uh, that's at Nightmare Box Pro. <laughs> uh, or you can go to our website, which is the Nightmare Where you can see Brainstorm. You can see Happy Birthday. You can see the dolls. You can read the scripts for all three. You can see some stories I wrote a long time ago, <laughs> and I'll eventually fucking get around to you know writing new ones for you. But my job's kicking my ass right now, so. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the whole fucking world's on fire. No, it's over now. Oh, it is. As of this week, the race war has ended and the apocalypse is over. And God loves us all, and I love all of you guys. Um, or you can go to youtubecom slash Bloom where you can see all the awesome shit she made before she came a bloom. And you can go to youtubecom slash Productions. where you can see all the things that we've done together. You can see the dolls. You can see Happy Birthday. You can see Brainstorm. You can see um, a funny loop, fucking little highlight Outtakes, outtake yeah. reel for Happy, Happy birthday. birthday where I go Bleh! and scream in the mirror. <laughs> uh, what else do we got? Go to the IMDB. See that I'm an actor, which I fucking <laughs> hate about myself. The email. The email address, which is? Nightmareboxproductions at gmail. And you can go over there. Let us know what you want us to talk about. If you've got anything that you think would be interesting for the conversation, that's all we're really looking for. Um, positive notes, negative notes, corrections, anything. Shoot it that way. Um, if you want the book. If you want the book. Don't go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, those bullshit artists. Send us an email, and I'll try to figure it out, because PayPal hates me. So, <laughs> But even if it, you know, it's $10, I'll send it to you anywhere in the world. It's autographed, it's beer-stained, it's awesome. <laughs> it's got personality. It's got personality to it. It's lived in a fucking shelf, fucking five feet away from me, as I record this show. And uh, it'll be yours, and I'll even write, you're number one, or you're the best dad, or whatever the fuck you want. Um... <laughs> Do we have not any? a failure at all. <laughs> You're doing really good. If you hate this book, try writing one. <laughs> no, that's everything. That's all of it. You ready to go eat some chili? Yeah. Make some cornbread? Yeah. Oh, right. shoot. We do have to make oh, cornbread. Oh, shoot. We got to go make cornbread. <laughs> I thought we were going to get to eat when this was over. <laughs> nope. We still got 20-some-odd fucking minutes. Darn it. <laughs> I'm going to blast J. Cole and fucking jam out. And... <laughs> I'm ridiculous. All right. I love you. I love you.
And I love you guys. And we will talk to you on Tuesday. What's that song by Hanson? Man, fucking. Can you believe the lyrics they got away with in the 90s? <laughs> <laughs>